0: Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host,
1: Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We'd like to welcome back to the show jeffrey hirsch publisher of the stock traders almanac and chief marketing strategist at probabilities fund he speaks to us from the headquarters in white plains new york jeff welcome back to strategic investor radio great to be with you again charlie so jeff i'm uh, sitting here thumbing through the 2021 issue which is the 54th issue of uh, Stock Traders' Almanac, so you are much older than you look, Jeff, I tell you, buddy. Okay,
0: I don't look look 54?
1: (laughs) You started at a very early age, huh?
0: Well, there was Uh, this other guy, my father, who started it.
1: Your father started it, that is great. So, uh, welcome, great to have you. Let me throw out a couple of things from the Stock Traders' Almanac to uh, get, get us started here. Since 1950, the Dow has gained 20,000 points for, during the November through April period each year, but only 4,000 points again 20 during the May through October period of the year. Number two, the January barometer uh, is an accurate rate of over 80%. of the time over the last 70 years. And number three, the S and P 500 shows that Mondays have been the worst days to to invest, to close higher than the previous day, but Wednesdays and Thursdays are the best. Now stock traders Almanac is the source for all of that. It's fascinating stuff. So let's start with a brief background of yours and especially of the Stock Traders' Almanac here.
0: Well, as I said, uh, my illustrious father, Yale Hirsch, started this uh, publication, this business back in 1966, the year I was born. So I was basically born, bred, weaned, raised and, and uh, trained on market seasonality, cycles and trends. Uh, I took it over from him in about 2000, 2001. I had been working with him since 1990. And um, you know he's 97 now. Uh, I see him weekly at the nursing home, but uh, we've stood on his shoulders and and built some new things uh, on top of his work. And I had the privilege of learning how to do this research by hand with an adding machine and graph paper, and then brought it into Excel for DOS back in '92, and then Windows 3.1. And now my partner Chris Mistel, director of research, has uh, has some software built for us so we can go in there and query it and come up with new things. So um, that we have a newsletter at stocktradersalmanac.com. We pick stocks using seasonals, fundamentals, technicals, we have sector rotation strategy. And um, of course, we send out alerts for that best and worst six months switching strategy that you alluded to uh, using a little MACD timing on there to get in and out at better times.
1: Okay. You know, Jeff, if anybody would like to quickly pass uh, a couple to three or four hours all you'd have to do is pick this stock traders almanac up and start thumbing through it it is fascinating stuff so what do you find that um, you you you're able to see here that people not familiar with it are not able to see
0: well i mean i would advise not to try to read the whole thing in one clip uh <laughs> each page question
1: about that. information
0: you know you could if depending on the time of year you get it, you could start right in the current year. Look at what's going on this week, what's going on this month. Looking at say the the March almanac for example, and the the uh, middle of the month, the triple witching of end of end of Q1 is coming up. Week after triple witching is is pretty difficult. But starting you know currently where we are in the calendar, I mean that's how the book was built so that you can follow the market schedule along with your own. And then I advise people to go look at the you know the table of contents, familiarize yourself with what's in it. This is the post-election year edition. We've got particular pages geared towards the post-election year, which uh, historically has been a weak year for the market, but has improved somewhat the past couple of decades. And with a new Democrat in the White House, uh, as well as a democratically controlled Congress, uh, we've had some pretty good returns the last four times. I know it's only four, a small amount, but um, you know that's some of the things you look at. And then you, know, you get into the uh, intro, so you can see how to work the book. And I also advise people to jump to the back. Uh, There's some of the things about how to invest, you know, with uh, Gerald Loeb's ruling reasons and battle for investment survival and and that sort of stuff back on page, you know, 192 and 191.
1: I'm sure one of the questions that you often ask, and when I talk about these kinds of things with clients, they, they, they almost always bring it up is headline news runs much of the market these days, especially on a daily basis. Not nearly as much, obviously, weekly and certainly monthly, but on a daily basis. So how do you reconcile, uh, you know, investing in early March or or in uh, October or something with the fact that uh, it's headline news driven and and yet you're looking back 80 years or some period of time? And how, how do those two things reconcile here?
0: Well, first off, we don't just look back eighty years. We look at several different time frames. We look back eighty years, thirty years, thirty-one years, twenty-one years. We're always looking at the most recent, like twenty, twenty one year time frame to keep things in check. Sometimes shorter time frames depending upon the, the pattern. But I would contend that the market isn't just run by headlines. Yes, intraday daily it does, but uh, the almanac is built on the belief and, and the and the, the proof that, you know, people behave uh, repeatedly in the same fashion with their money. So you have, whether it's the intraday patterns, despite high-frequency trading and algorithms, people you know tend to like close or secure positions or square positions around 2, 2 30 after lunch, rallies to the close, you got different days of the week, people coming in to the beginning of the week if there's um, problems that they'll, they'll sell. And then you've got the monthly patterns, people paying their bills. And one of the things that we discovered using the, the monthly cash flows is that mid-month spike when the payroll deductions go into 401ks and IRAs and money managers got to put that money to work. So I would contend uh, behavioral finance is at play as much as headlines.
1: Great point. Really appreciate that. I, I uh, ha- have not caught that from the book here. So uh, what would you uh, say to someone who believes that, uh, they, they, they just don't buy into the whole idea of seasonality and patterns and, and the like.
0: Invest in with another method. And we'd be happy to have all the skeptics we can cause that keeps people from front running it and lets the patterns play out. Seasonality exists. Everyone talks about it. Everyone sees what happens. I mean, we live in the Northern hemisphere mostly, and we revolve around, you know, uh, the different circadian rhythms and how people behave. You can see volume drying up in the summer. If you don't believe it, then, you know, there's other there's other investing methods that work, too. You know, we subscribe to this and it works for us. And and also not just to use those seasonal patterns in a vacuum to overlay that with news. I mean, we're always looking at the monetary policy and current trends in the economy, as well as fundamentals, technicals. And of course, market internals, you know, new highs and new lows, advanced declines. So we're not just purely seasonal, but that's our foundation.
1: So, Jeff, uh, what would you say, looking at the past 10 years as mm-hmm. opposed to the the, the previous years, what, uh, what could you say today that you couldn't have said or wouldn't have said 10 years ago?
0: I'm not sure 10 years is a long enough period of time. It's not necessarily statistically significant. Um, I'm not sure a whole lot's changed. Uh, you know, we've seen a little bit stronger uh, behavior in, in in the pre-election years I mean in, in the post-election years like this year January's become a little bit weaker um we watch we've seen that January break materialize a bit more but in a news neutral environment people are still behaving um you know with the seasonal behaviors that they have with summer vacations and holiday buying and paying bills monthly so there's been a few things but other than you know COVID and black swan events, you know, it's it's been persistent and I'm kind of, you know, humbled by it.
1: So let's talk for a minute about FANG stocks. They have been the darlings, uh, really since about 2013 and, uh, they have accounted for such a significant portion of the S and P five hundreds performance. And I've seen lots of charts showing that the, the rest of the 490-plus S&P 500 participants have done very little, really, mm-hmm. uh, in the last few years. And Fang stocks have just gone crazy. Would uh, your book have picked up on that, or are, are they just plain market-focused?
0: We have some sectors uh, working there. So the, the sector seasonality is on tech stocks you know we we've, we've benefited from some of that as well as you know our, our seasonal switching strategy we use the qqqs we use the nasdaq as well so we're getting a lot of that fang juice in the market when we are in the best months and the nasdaq has a a, a best 8 months from november through june so that's in the book there's a page about you know the best 8 months for nasdaq i think it's page 56 if you're if you got your book handy yeah uh, memory serves wait a second no it's it's 60 That's the NASDAQ's best eight months with MACD timing. And the numbers there are are incredible. And some of our subscribers, they subscribe to the newsletter just for those two signals a year. And they'll switch in and out of the Qs or whatever other vehicle they're using to capitalize on that. So we've included the QQQ and Russell 2000 in our seasonal work and, um, you know, in, in, in the other work we do in the newsletter. It's also part of the probabilities fund.
1: Okay. And the Russell 2000. Has that been a surprise according to your system over the past uh, three or four months, the way it's performed or not?
0: Well, yeah. The November for the record book surprised a lot of people, but you know, ironically, or at least not ironically, it correlates very well with small cap seasonality that really picks up around the turn of October and also after Thanksgiving and even more so. So that's the, that's the seasonal time of year for the small caps. Remember the old January effect, not yeah. the January, the January effect, small caps outperforming large caps in January. Well, that's rolled back a little bit. And most of that is, is in the last two weeks of December. And it really, you know, begins uh, in earnest right after, you know, Halloween and in, in, in November. So surprised by the magnitude, sure. But by the outperformance in general over the market, not, not so much.
1: Okay. How about growth versus value? you know, the value diehards have just been saying, it's coming back, it's coming back. Uh, Do you guys get into that level of stuff? Uh,
0: Yeah, we do. Uh, I mean, I'm a growth guy by, you know, by makeup, by, by nature, but you know, when we, when we do our stock screens, we're looking for growth stocks, September, October, when, when that fourth quarter, you know, that two four market magic kicks in and then we look for some value during the weaker worst six months, May through October. So, When we run our stock screens, we look for value and growth combined. So we're looking for companies that have low PEs relative to the market, low price to sales ratios, as well as accelerating growth in revenue and earnings. Plus they're off the radar, not followed followed by so many Wall Street analysts, as well as a technically sound picture when, when we get into the stocks.
1: Yeah. You know, I've heard for a long time about how Russell 2000 is not followed as much by the analysts, uh, it's interesting that more analysts haven't picked up on that and increased and that. Really and they've been saying that forever.
0: And it's really not a small cap index anymore. I mean, it's kind of more yeah. mid cap. Yeah. yeah. But it it's still a great, a great vehicle to trade.
1: Tell us a little about the Probabilities Fund. We had Joel Childrey, who uh, uh, is heading the fund and uh, together with you, and uh, started it uh, years ago. We had him on here several years ago. Uh, talk to us about the uh, Probabilities Fund.
0: Well, Probabilities Fund was inspired by the Almanac. A bunch of years ago, Joe was going on a trip. He was a broker, a branch manager at A.G. Edwards, and he went to Africa, and he forgot his reading material and picked his old trusty Almanac up off the conference room table and brought it with him on a trip and read it pretty religiously for the next 14 days and came back and, and you know was inspired to create the system. Now, Probabilities Fund, we, you know, we've we've uh, developed a strategy a little bit more over the past several years since since we've joined forces with him but we trade the ETFs based upon the Dow S and P and NASDAQ that, you know, the diamond spiders and cubes, as I call them using leverage based upon our calendar strategies, that the monthly cash flows that you see in the back of the book on page 146 and seven, as well as on the top of the Almanac pages, those, those, um, you know, the personality of each month really is kind of what drives our strategy, our leverage and our, and our, and our bias. And, um, It's a great alternative investment for people to include in their, you know, uh, portfolio allocations.
1: Okay. And, and it must be a a significant challenge. I remember Joe telling us the story. And again, this was probably five years ago that uh, whenever Congress has a special session, that is one of the worst possible days for the stock market. Well,
0: <laughs> Congress Congress is important. Uh, they haven't done a whole lot in the past bunch of years as far as I'm concerned. Maybe we'll get some infrastructure uh, bills this year, legislation. But uh, we've actually found that the whole congressional effect uh, has waned. I mean, I guess if you were going to – your previous question about what's changed over the past 10 years – We're seeing that, you know, when Congress is in session, not really impacting the market as much as it used to back in in the old days. So, you know, I I think people's behavior uh, with their money, uh, you know, on a regular basis, like the 401k, payroll deductions and going on vacations and squaring uh, positions at the end of the week, those kinds of things seem to impact the market a little bit more than Congress does these days in the short term.
1: Yeah. Did you, have you seen much of an impact of the uh, COVID pandemic in people's uh, investment behavior?
0: Investment behavior, uh, yes, but I've seen it impact seasonality. I mean, people have have, uh, have had a lot less to do except sit there and watch the market. So it's been a little bit more volatile. Some things like the whole GameStop, Robinhood thing, which I, I think is pretty much old school stock manipulation. And they'll probably yeah. get- a little comeuppance on that, from my vantage point, it did knock seasonality off its off its track from about you know March through August, as we were you know fighting lockdowns and and economic pressures, as well as uh, the big bounce back you know after the sell off there in March, and then about you know September we got back on track with seasonals and we had a very typical week you know end of third quarter. September is one of the the worst months. The market. We had another correction there at the end of October, very seasonally typical, luckily, or, or nice thing on the charts. Technically that October low is a little bit higher than the um, September low. I see a nice trend line support there. We could go deep into some technicals. I happen to be a little bit of a chartist on some level, but um, yeah, COVID basically turned, you know, trumped, no pun intended, seasonality for uh, about six months or so.
1: So uh, Jeff, let's go back to, uh, Stock Traders Almanac. For for those who would like to know more, where can they go?
0: Pretty simple. StockTradersAlmanac.com. You can probably type it into Google and it'll get you there. That's the place to go. Amazon sells the books, but you can get them from us as well.
1: Okay. And uh, for Probabilities Fund, what does one do?
0: ProbabilitiesFund.com. It's all right there. And uh, I can tell you that with the newsletter subscription, people get a free copy of the Almanac every year. So it's quite a deal.
1: Yeah, it is. Okay. So uh tell us, uh what keeps you awake at night? Uh we we ask each of our guests that question here, Jeff. Um uh, what is it? Besides your son, Harry, you tell us. <laughs> and his computer uh, games here.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Just market seasonality, thinking about what I gotta do the next day. Um, you know, we have a, a system I've learned one of the things that used to keep me up at night was, you know, emotional concerns about the market. I think that's one of the most important things people need to, to, um, you know, get a handle on is their emotions and go go against their human instincts and sell their losers fast, let let their winners ride and stick to your systems and your stops and your buy limits and try to be robotic about it and not, you know, get too emotional. I mean, if you like a stock because of some products or something you've read, you know, use use Gerald Loeb's, you know, battle for investment survival, the checklist, and have a ruling reason and stick to it, you know? So checking emotions at the door is the hardest part of investing and trading.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, people have been telling me that for years. And at first I thought, ah, they're, they're not right. I'm not an emotional guy, but the older I get and the longer I'm in it, I realize that is not the case. Uh,
0: I've learned a few uh, emotional lessons myself in the market <laughs> as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, so uh, Jeff, how about some final words for our listeners here? Some, some, some sage advice here.
0: Well, let's just talk about this year. I mean, we had a uh, down January, which, uh, you know, every single down January since 1950 has been followed by a 10% correction, a bear market, a newer continuing bear market or a flat year. NASDAQ 100, the NDX almost had a ten, just about a 10% correction already. Right. Right. So that's something to consider. But, You know, we've stood on Yale's shoulders and combined his Santa Claus rally, which he invented back in 72, along with the January barometer and the first five days early warning indicator. We call it the January indicator trifecta. So we had two out of three, which is encouraging. If it was three for three, that's really encouraging. When it's three for three, you get the year, like a a 27 out of the last 31 years were, were up. And then here we are in March, you know, watch out for the end of the third quarter. There's some selling pressures there as well as the week after triple witching. And I would suspect some weakness over the worst six months, May through October, flat to weak, some corrections. But I think we're going to close out the year, you know, towards our best and base case scenarios, maybe about 4,200, 4,300 S&P, give or take a little bit.
1: Would you factor in the stimulus? It looks like it's coming any day.
0: I think some of it's already factored in. Uh, You know, the market's an anticipating mechanism. If, If the vaccine roll out and everyone gets shots in their arms and, people start getting back to regular work. You know, we might, might even be a, a higher than that. Those numbers I just throughout there and we might not have much of a correction in, you know, the summer months, but you know, people are going to start going away End of August, you know, early September third quarter triple witching, you know, that might be a good time for a little correction, you know, nothing sinister and not, I'm not looking for a bear market, but maybe five, 10% or so depending upon the index
1: okay well jeff this has been fascinating anybody any of our audience that fell asleep during this it is their fault because (laughs) you guys you guys have the stats and it is very interesting stuff and uh, we really appreciate you coming on with us and offer our best wishes for your continued success with both the stock traders almanac and probabilities fund so good luck and thanks for being with us here today
0: thanks again charlie a lot of fun
1: so, again, you've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, and we'd love to hear from you uh, uh, at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. You can access any and all of our previous interviews and shows at strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing.